Hello everyone, welcome to the Cane Wins Podcast, Volume 12, Issue 557, Moss and Moss Book 2, yes, the double bill, would have thought it. Joining me, Chris O'Regan, in this issue is Tony Atkins, hello, and John Salmon. Hello. So we are going to be talking about Moss and Moss Book 2, and this is an action-adventure game, not an abstract sort of puzzle game and what have you, so there are spoilers ahead. Be aware, we will be delving into content and revealing story bits, story beats, no less. And it's quite critical for this, for Moss, because, well, it's a book about, you know, Moss and books and stories. And the whole point is you are leafing through a book in a strange building. It doesn't look like a library, but maybe it isn't. I think it is. I think it is. It's a Although, real page turner. It's a real... Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. No, we let it hang there, Tony. You did it. Okay. Um, James Carter would be very proud of you. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> My contribution is done. Right, moving on. But ultimately, Moss, I've written in the notes here. Sorry, everyone. I'm all for breaking. But uh, or behind the scenes, I should say. Uh, it's a game. Well, they are, these are games about reading a book that gets a little out of hand. So um, let's talk about our histories. We delve into the details of said game. Uh, Tony, where, where, where are you coming from? I'm coming from the classic case of buying a game and then not entirely playing through it, um, waiting for a cane and rinse to come around to then replay through them both. <laughs> so, no, I, so I, um, obviously, like, well, okay, let me restart that. Um, my own, my one and only. Um, experience with VR is just through the PlayStation VR. So original, this is before the PlayStation VR 2 has released. This is actually the weekend before it's released to the world, the worldwide release. So I'm just going to talk about my experiences with PlayStation VR 1. Um, So like many people brought the PlayStation VR, looked for many games to want to play on it. Um, Moss was one of those ones that just filtered to the top because it was a, you know, a highly rated and much loved game so um picked it up paid full price um played probably about half an hour 40 minutes of it (laughs) and then um yeah left it on the side for some bizarre reason and i'm not too sure why but it 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 got lost lost in the uh the melee of playing all the other stuff that maybe was kind of almost um a demonstration of the vr tech more more so than a a, a more of a, a story driven game um so obviously I put my name down for this show uh, excited to actually get to back to Moss because of obviously there's been a lot of talk about it and then obviously ultimately Moss Book 2 so uh, purchased Moss Book 2 to do this show and played both Moss and Moss Book 2 over the last week um, so yeah nice and fresh and happy in the mind excellent John tell us what's your you know dalliances with Moss and Moss Book 2 I'm actually not massively different. I'm kind of the same as Tony. I only have a PSVR. Um, I've had it for probably a good four or so years at this point, three, four years. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure at one point, whether whether or not it's still the case, that me and Tony were account sharing our PlayStations together. So at some point when presumably he bought the original Moss, I also got it. Um, 
I think it's been given away for free in one of those PlayStation, like during the pandemic, like here's just like 10 cool games that you might be interested in. And they just dumped a whole load of stuff. Uh, maybe it was only for PS Plus members, but there was definitely something where they just chucked a whole load of games out, including this and Astro's Playroom, I think Subnautica's one, like the original Last of Us, possibly the original Horizon. There was a whole a whole glut of things that they just handed out. Um, so I guess I've owned this at least for as long as um, well, that's been the case in the last year or two and probably had access to it previously. But yeah, same as Tony. I think I I loaded it up a couple of times and just saw that it was pretty and didn't do very much <laughs> else. But yeah, my, my experience has been basically podcast says that we're doing Moss. It's like six weeks away or whatever. Um, I guess I need to start playing Moss. Um, but in typical fashion, I kind of put it off and put it off. I've been mega, mega busy with tons of other stuff recently. So I only started messing about with either of these about 10 days ago. And the vast majority of my playtime on both of them has been literally like the last three days, including I've played all of Moss Book 2 in one relatively long sitting or standing this afternoon or this morning in this afternoon. Um, I don't really have any excuse for not giving my PSVR any more love than I do. It's just kind of inconvenient sometimes. Um, and it's, you know, you're doing it in the summertime. It's like you don't really want to be moving around when it's boiling hot. So it's, it's kind of one of those things that I tend to do little bits and pieces of. Um, but it's very difficult to actually force me to sit down or stand around and play something for a long period of time. So the fact that we've now done a couple of different VR games for the podcast has been quite a quite a good push. And um also helps that I've moved recently and I'm in a much, much better living room for playing VR games than I was previous. So actually, you know, I think part of me knew that I would have a better VR setup within the next few months or next year or so after the last time I moved. So I've kind of put a bunch of stuff off. Um, so yeah, it's, it's mostly just been like rediscovering the PSVR over the last couple of weeks and enjoying it. Thank you. Yes. Um, for me, uh, I've had the PSVR since launch, so I did play it on the PSVR one. So as Tony said, we're recording this well five days, I think, yeah, four days, yeah, four days like before the release of PSVR two. Now speaking for myself, I am getting one. Uh, I'm very looking, much looking forward to it. But I've I've been a big proponent of PSVR, um, as many people know, and Moss was one of those games which I didn't really know about until I listened to an episode of. Games and Jobs one one week and a waxing lyrical about it. But this looks nice and sounds interesting. So I toddled off and the marketing for it wasn't that great. I mean, but then again, it was one of those VR titles that did come out on disc. It wasn't just a you know a downloadable one. You could go out and buy it, which I never did. I actually bought it online and um I just yeah, uh, immediately fell in love with it and uh, which we'll talk about later personally, but um, the the it definitely is a um, a champion for the medium of VR, regardless of format, because it's also on Steam VR and MetaQuest Two. By the way, everyone, if you, if you have access to those platforms, I suspect the last one most people have access to, you can play on that. Now, obviously, listening to the three of us, we won't be talking about those platforms. I personally didn't play it on those because I already had it on PSVR, but I'm sure it's a 
interesting and different experience to we'll talk about later. But um, do that dreadful podcasting of sort of dangling the carrot to the listener. But uh, but that's my history really of both games is finished um, most and then waited patiently in March twenty twenty two when when book two arrived and uh, and enjoyed myself thoroughly played through it and uh, thought well I'm going to select these games for for twenty twenty three well more specifically sorry volume twelve and here we are doing that very thing very happy to say yeah it's 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 a shame we didn't know the exact release date of PSVR two now I'm not personally picking one up upon launch i know you said you are i mean it's something i'm certainly am interested in but it'd be nice to maybe have that kind of compare and contrast having to have a go on the original tech versus newer base tech which is more similarly aligned to the pc movement controls etc and it's been nice to have that kind of contrast but alas um you know once the cording is kind of set in stone many other things are, are built around it so it just yeah unfortunately it's had to happen the week, the week prior although you know nice timing for people to to listen to us talk about moss before if they are picking up the psvr twos so it does work somehow indeed <laughs> yeah. it is leading the charge for that platform isn't it <laughs> yeah good point if you've got any uh got your new super expensive psvr2 and you're struggling to find things to play couple here that i'm pretty sure we're all going to recommend quite highly so yeah there you go yeah sorry spoilers everyone <laughs> small up, small upgrade fee though isn't it i think <laughs> for yeah apparently mm. there's a small upgrade fee but never mind. i'm sure you can trade your current one in for about 70 quid in cex or maybe leon's still looking for one if someone's got one to sell him <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> maybe yeah well the person i'm going to keep hold of mine is hook it up to the ps4 which i still own anyway <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the creators of of the Moss games, both of them. Polyarch, Seattle developer, uh, formed from people who used to work at Bungie, and they broke away in the uh, mid twenty tens, and um, they released Moss in twenty eighteen, sequel twenty two. So they are, and this, now they're going to release it again in twenty twenty three on PSVR two. So they and, they, and it used um, the Unreal Engine. Delve into the, the effects of that later on in the show, but so that's Polyarch. There's also they self-published the game, and uh, now the, there is a credits for, of course, there's credits for this extraordinary game, but uh, the way they title them isn't the traditional title. So I've had a guess about who, which one, which person is doing what. There's like design director. I'm thinking it's probably director. Uh, so <laughs> we're going to go with this. And forgive me, anyone of a missing There's a huge list of people. Go and check out uh, Polyarch. That's so P O L Y A R C, and look that up, and you'll see their their list of names. It's a huge gaggle of people involved with the creation of the Moss games. But I'm fairly certain the director is Joshua Stixma. Uh, the producer is Argus Hulin. Uh, programmers, well, lead programmer or lead engineer, <laughs> uh, was Mike Phillies, and the uh, artist was Mike Jensen. And animation, and this is a name that appears a lot in the credits for a good reason. Is uh, Rick Lyko or Nico? And writers again, book expect so it's a bit of a team. Uh, it's Tam Armstrong, Sean Sperry, and Eric Raab. Um, so, um, it was uh, so Moss the original was released on 27th February 2018, so almost five years to the day at the time of recording this issue uh and the follow-up was issued um was issued yeah released um on uh, so moss colon book two 
was the 31st of March, 2022. I, I did not realise it was so long between these. I thought Moss Book 2 was like 2020, 2021. I mean, maybe various, you know, global issues over the last couple of years slowed it down a bit. But it kind of blows my mind that the second game is... Yeah, like, 11 months old, yeah. It's, not, it's yeah. so... <laughs> But like it's uh, the way that they lead into it at the end of the first game. It's such a like a strong cliffhanger. You get the impression that you know it should be sort of already there or like practically yeah. there. Do you know, I, I'm I, amazed that it's four years between the two releases. Completely agree. I, the, the way I'm, I, mean, I was talking about this uh, to other people today, and I really see Moss and Moss Book Two as a singular package. Uh, definitely, mm. obviously, you buy them as separate, and they're definitely separate titles released. But if you're talking it from a kind of story art point of view, Moss ends literally saying, and in book two, we will mm. be continuing the story. So it's very much, it has an arc, it has an ending, but it's very much, it feels like it's leading into the next game. So um, I'm, I always think that's brave if people haven't necessarily got the next game like fully in development mm. or a, a next story or next film or, or next book, whatever it may be, when they leave that on like such a heavy cliffhanger. And like John, I, I just assumed it, it probably came out probably 2020, something like that, just a couple of years later. But to hear it only came out, what, 11 months ago, that's actually quite a surprise. Actually. <laughs> yes, it is interesting to hear that, isn't it? Um, I knew that was going on, but for some reason I wasn't shouting for the rooftops about it. I was like, oh, this is fun. I'm sure everyone's playing this. Didn't say a word. I don't know why. So, oh, that, that was fun. Didn't talk about it. Didn't discuss it. Yeah, especially like, after yeah. I remember the first one getting a reasonable amount of fanfare. Like it, I remember yeah, yeah. it showing up on a handful of Game of the Year lists from like publications, and there was a lot of talk of you know the best games available on PSVR, but obviously a very objective. But um, it, it pops up with things like Astrobot and stuff constantly in lists of you know reasons why you should play VR games or why you should get a PSVR or whatever. So yeah, I mean it's just I'm I'm very surprised that they second game came out and seemingly has had very little like widespread fanfare in the same way that the first one did. Yeah, there is something amiss going on with the second book, and we're going to delve into that um, certainly probably in the next 10 minutes, I think, looking at our, our roster of, of things to talk about. But before we do, let's have some feedback from our, our listeners, our audience. Um, there's T-Bird in the forum. Um. And uh, interesting enough, again, reflective of the the community discussion and what was going on with, with the Moss games, not a lot of feedback, I have to say, um, which surprised me uh, because, like John says, there was a lot of um, interest in the game and it was a reasonably high profile within VR circles, at least. Yeah, and I, but I, I think you end up with like categories of categories of categories because, you know, mm. you're talking about the people that follow Kane and Rince, the people that have are into VR. The people that have PlayStation, well, I suppose it was on many, <laughs> many forms of VR, but people who have VR. Then people that actually picked up Moss. Then people that saw a free word review that come across their, their timeline. Like, you know, you do end up in those kind of like quite narrow subcategories of, you know, do you fit this bill? Um, so yeah, it's, that, that, it's not necessarily um, that surprise, but, you know, yeah, it's unfortunate. That Venn diagram is getting yeah, increasingly That's the word I was wet, after, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it makes me wonder almost if we're over the VR fad and that the time that this came out when PSVR was new or newish and 
um, Vive and Oculus and the other the other headsets that were were popular at the time. As of, I mean, Chris, you could probably probably nail down the dates better. But are we looking at what like twenty sixteen or so for like the VR headsets all originally releasing? Maybe twenty seventeen. Yeah, I mean, the height of it was, didn't believe it or not, it was actually 2013, 2014 when interest started kicking in for them mm-hmm. and the technology oh, that... started to arrive and the Oculus um, was kick-started and people getting really excited about it. Uh, it had a very long campaign, didn't it? it a very long, did. like, launch. Yeah, and there's uh, one time like, to launch yeah, and everything. I think, you know, to jump across a little ahead, but if you look at, like, the sales from what you've written down on your, you know, um, on the notes... Yeah. So you know, Moss yeah, is what the hell? Moss is sitting at around one million copies, which doesn't <laughs> surprise me. It's one of those ones where if you own a new VR device, you're you're kind of scrambling around at that height. And then, I mean, who knows? So Moss Book Two, you've got down six thousand for Steam. Yeah. Less than a thousand for PSVR. Is that right? Less than a yeah. thousand. That's incredible. Apparently. Anyway, I want to talk about it later because I want to hear what everyone wants to hear what T-Bird has to say, and it's great. T-Bird says. Moss was just pure joy to play from beginning to end. I love moving in reality to peek around corners in order to solve puzzles and discover secrets. Quill was just too adorable and the world gorgeous. While I wasn't thrilled about the way the ending set up the sequel, I admit that I guaranteed my purchase of Moss Book 2, which I haven't got around to yet. No other game made me inconsistently grin with delight until I finally got around to Astrobot Rescue Mission 2 years later now what t-bird mentioned there we're going to be talking about that very much so but yes the the act of uh, interacting with the world is unique to to moss making a game that could only really work in this medium in vr so as you can hear and amongst the three of us um it's rather positive about moss both games Open Critic has eighty-six uh, percent, with ninety-six percent of uh, critics, seventy-seven critics, recommending it. Similarly, with Book Two, Open Critic eighty-four percent recommended by eight ninety-six people of forty or forty-five critics. So, almost universal praise. Yet here we are, <laughs> um, d- discussing discussing the the lack of sales for the second book, and again, the user reviews reflect the critical. Reviews or the you know the professional commentators. So you have Metacritic eight point one, a very very respectable score. Um, Steam very positive reviews, two thousand three hundred twenty three reviews of Moss. But now we go on to Moss Book Two, because again Metacritic score eight point one, excellent. This is user score, everyone, not not professional reviewers. But the Steam reviews are two hundred and three. <laughs> That's you know, <laughs> well, I think well, it goes back to what John yeah. John was talking yeah. about earlier. I think, I mean, I, I I'd happily hold my hands up. You know, digging out my PSVR to play. Um, you know, recently, just you know, some games for Kane and Rince. It's been fun and interesting, and kind of reunited that kind of oh, actually, yeah, VR's really cool when it's done right. It's actually you know, it completely changes up you know some of the conversation around games but you know i'm not the only one i'm sure that has noticed that you know talk around vr has fallen off a cliff and it's really only the fact that you know we're doing this this show on the kind of the the eve of psvr 2's launch 
that you know I've only I've heard people start talking about PSVR at all again recently that it's you know it's back into limelight and you know Moss is well, Moss and Moss Two are front and center a lot of their promotional stuff which shows you how much other um, quality games may have hit the platform in between you know in those five years that you know they're digging up some of these games to put put them up front and center but yeah it's um it's been a an interesting ride I think in the last five five six years for the VR. The whole VR industry, not just PlayStation VR. It does make you wonder if this, um, you know, PSVR 2, as as you say, we're like a week, less than a week out from its launch. I, I haven't been following particularly, but as far as I'm aware, there have been multiple stories about, essentially about the lack of interest. But Sony being very cagey with releasing numbers of pre-orders and things, which kind of suggests that maybe they, they've done less well than they were hoping to, but... I mean, that is, unless somebody proves me wrong, I mean, my theory is kind of just that, yeah, people have sort of fallen away from VR in general. It sort of was a a thing that was bigger five years ago for sure than it is now in 2023. Yep. Yeah, I think uh, certainly something's happened with VR in that it's either become this sort of settled in, oh, it's just a thing that exists, Um. The MetaQuest has done a lot of good or bad, depending on your point of view, but I think it's broadened the the platform mm-hmm. in terms of engagement mm-hmm. and adoption. Uh, and it's way easier to pick up and, and, and just go because, you I mean, you don't have to um, turn all your lights off and make sure everything's green. And then, <laughs> and then you know, have, have your PSVR set up in such a way because you're using technology from 15 years ago. Whereas, and it's, it's also cableless. And people do like that. Yeah, I would have liked the I, cableless headset while I was playing this. I I think for me that the whole industry, and it's not just a VR show, but it it's worth talking about no. because you know these are so so interlinked you know interlinked with VR obviously as a VR only games. You know the whole industry seems incredibly fragmented, and I think the the problem you have with that is if you're if you're asking for money or <laughs> request you know or, or good looking for investors in a project so some, something like moss which you know moss 2 in particular is actually a, a fairly you know sizable in a region of like it's six seven six hours plus long you know that takes time money and development and actually you need people to fund that stuff and if if you've got a fragmented industry and it you know it feels like it's going to be a hard sell then I do worry about those bigger titles. It's one of the reasons, you know, I think PSVR 2 in particular looks like the actual hardware looks night and day compared to the original PSVR. They fixed all the problems, I think. And in fact, they're, they've changed a lot of stuff, which I think almost like it's one of the best heads, headsets on the market. But it's, what, 550 pounds? Yeah. And I was certainly interested... But at the same time, I looked at the kind of the game's lineup and knowing that I'd already played Moss and Moss 2 and a bunch of actually of the original PSVR games and seeing that really actually over the last five years, there's been a smattering of stuff, but nothing per se where I'm like, I need to spend almost £600 on a device to, to access that stuff. It's just, it for me, it, it wasn't enough there for to make that purchase. And, that, and that's really worrying of times for for I think you know Sony felt like it was going to be the big unifier of PlayStation VR and it seems to have kind of just 
don't know, stagnated. But anyway, that's probably a long-winded rant on <laughs> where we I'm are. I'm happy to talk art. about it up front at the beginning of the show because it's the elephant in the room. Yeah. Of course, we're going to be talking about a VR game. We can't not talk about the medium itself. However, yeah. I will, you know, rein us in and go, come on, let's, let's well, focus okay. well, on the I, game. The way I'll bring it back is I think yeah. we all played this on PlayStation VR and I think it's fair to say there's some elements of the original PlayStation VR tech that aren't isn't seamless with the gameplay mm. experience um that i'm pretty sure playstation 2 would playstation vr 2 would um would alleviate somewhat even some of the kind of meta yes. quests etc etc mm. better tech than what the original yeah. tech that we all played this on and i'm sure that will come out in the wash as we uh, talk about some of the gameplay aspects mm. i feel like it's also worth mentioning that this is one of the psvr games that actually just has you using the headset and the controller, which from my personal experience with a handful of PSVR games is kind of a better way to play games. I mean, when, once you start being forced to include the move controllers, <laughs> that, that always adds a bit more of a problem and the games tend to suffer for it, I think. I mean, there's not to say that there's not plenty of games that are, are still very good that use the move controllers, but they're just... I don't know. The, they just don't work very the, well. The way I describe experience. it, and I, I'll, I'll stand by this. Whenever I'm playing the PlayStation VR, the original PlayStation VR, I describe it as playing something that's you know held together with duct tape. Like the the camera is trying to pick up so much. You've got the move controllers. You've got the the light bar on the original DualShock Four. All trying oh, yeah. like it's trying to pick up so many aspects. Like how's your light in the room? Is that good enough for picking that? At every opportunity, there seems like 15 things that might break in the process of just mm. trying to enjoy. And, like, that's fine. But, but at the same time, you're so immersed in these worlds and suddenly you have something that just, you know, sh- makes the she- screen shift really fast. And you're like, what am I... <laughs> like, your head spins or, <laughs> or your con- your hands just spin around in circles because it's going, I don't really recognise the move controllers. I don't know what you're doing. Or in in my scenario, it's like my DualShock 4 pad, you know, God bless people that say, oh, well, at least it doesn't have like, those batteries that you have to stick in the back. Yeah, apart from my PS4 pad has a charge of about, oh, I don't know, 40 minutes every time you charge it up for six hours. It's like, I know that's not... That's my issue, but it's just one of those ones that it feels like no, I'm it's 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 hindered. an issue. It's not just you. <laughs> I mean, I also had to charge my DualShock three times throughout <laughs> Moss Book Two, and it took like an hour each time. So I reckon I was getting maybe two hours of play on that pad. It's not. It's just not ideal anymore. But well, those, I mean, these we've, we've pads are like ten it. years old now. I'm just I know, so I agree. exactly. <laughs> and the you know the move controllers are how old. 12 yeah. years or something maybe and years. not designed yeah, they were never designed for the use that they, they ended up no, being used they were for. designed to play pool but on, on, on credit where credit is due yeah i got to experience vr and to this day i still haven't ever wanted to build a pc and pay the money for a vr headset on the place on the pc and honestly i don't think i'd ever got into vr if it wasn't for the original playstation vr so as much as it feels like it is duct taped together, it's given me some experience of VR that I don't think I would have had otherwise. And actually, some of those experiences have been the best experiences I've had in gaming. So for all its flaws and you know me joking and laughing at it, actually, it's you know it just about does the job. And you know I'm only jealous that I'd love to have played Moss and Moss Two on probably the PlayStation VR or, or a 
MetaQuest, et cetera, et cetera, because I think the control method yeah. would have been so much more smoother and uh, user-friendly. Yeah, I mean, the PSVR certainly, it had its, like, it, it had its place in the sun. It had its um, its audience who did not have, at the time when the Oculus and the Vive and whatever other headsets were, already the headset cost some vast amount of money, and then you also needed a supercomputer at the same time. And granted, that's not the case anymore with a bunch of those. But when the PSVR released, it was certainly you know, a way to get your foot in without spending, you know, four figures or more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have also dabbled with some of the the real budget options. I had a, a Samsung Gear VR <laughs> and that thing, you know, that was interesting. The one that you slot your phone into the front of, like technically it worked, but that made the PSVR look pretty good. And then they had that Google Cardboard thing as well that I see popping up occasionally. It's like, yeah, it just... I mean, it's like a viewfinder, like kids toy thing. So, I mean, the PSVR, at least it let me put my foot in the door and get to play a bunch of these games that I wouldn't have got to play otherwise. And it still has. I mean, presumably um, Astrobot Rescue Mission is exclusive to the PSVR. I, I can't imagine that that ever got released yeah, on the, um, the other headsets. Yeah. So, I mean, for purely for something like that, there are games that are basically essential for the PSVR that, even even today, I don't know if you went to buy an original PSVR headset with some move controllers and stuff, how much it's going to cost you. But like, you know, for the, the case of whatever I paid for mine, like 250, 300 pounds four years ago. I mean, it's a lot, but it's kind of worth it to to be able to experience some of this without having to spend the big bucks. Yeah. Yep. Star Trek Bridge Crew, never forget oh, it. That was great. Some, yep. Loved it. Some of the stuff we did was just just hilarious. <laughs> yeah. The comedy and the, gold. The, the crapness of it is part of the fun. Yes, so. it was. We've all played games like that. We've all played Drunken Bar Fight Simulator and <laughs> some of those games where you're just chucking things around. Like they're stupid and they're they're yep. extremely base humour, but they're still good fun to mess about with for half an hour, even if you do end up feeling sick afterwards. So using that as a foundation for the rest of the discussion, yep. let's talk about the awards. That Moss and Boss Book 2, or principally Moss, was nominated for and indeed won in some cases. Game Critic Awards, Best VR Game, Golden Joystick Awards. There's hurled loads of nominations. Always the bridesmaid, though, I'm afraid, most of the time. Never actually picked up the, 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 the gold most of the time. Um, they got they they won some like sound design for the 2019 GANG or Gang Awards. Game Developers Choice Awards, I think. Um, but no, the gang awards. Sorry, apologies. Um, so they won best sound, best music, and best VR audio. So obviously the sound design, and and I can vouch for that. I think personally, uh, that's something that really struck me as quite impressive. So yes, they got thrown loads of awards uh, throughout 2017 right through to 2019, and in book two was relatively young, but um, it did win the game awards uh, in 20, in December 2022. Best AR, so VR stroke AR game, so it did win that. Uh, and in January, uh, New York um, Game Awards, um, the Coney Island Dreamland Award for Best VR uh, AR game, so it won that. Uh, and uh, there's also the Dice Awards that they're pending at the moment. Um, so yeah, uh, it's again plaudits. You know, it is a, a much celebrated title, the pair of them. But here we are, <laughs> you know, and hopefully we can turn these things around. But we've been dancing around this, you know, and again, me and dancing and VR games, there's a history there. 
Um, but um, let's talk about what moss is about. Talk about the snowing and what I've here is sort of plucked it from the internet and then like the, the, the general um, text they they release about both games, and they are they are distinct from each other. I can't stress this enough. They are book two is a lot more, and there's a lot there's to it than Moss the original. Um, I believe I'm not believe I'm asserting, and we'll talk about that. But let's talk about the, both scenarios, and I'll we'll then we'll delve further. So Moss. This is the story for Moss. While in a library, the reader, that's you, uh, the player, uh, finds an old book. As they flip through pages, the reader is transported to a fantasy land contained within the book. The reader meets Quill, a young mouse, and begins an adventure. The kingdom where Quill lives has been overthrown by Sarfog, Sarfog, I think, a fire-breathing snake. After Quill's uncle was captured, the reader guides Quill on an adventure to defeat Sarfog and save her uncle. What a fight that is. Oh, <laughs> I, I like the boss battles in this game. I don't know about you two, but uh, anyway, there's also some DLC that uh, exists that, that expands on the old boss fights. Now, boss, sorry, boss, <laughs> Moss Book 2, uh, Quill is back. He is indeed, and she's being hunted. Those who seek to uh, make this world are desperate for the glass she holds, and they'll stop at nothing to claw it from a grasp. Uh, the editor note the 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 glass there's there's five pieces of glass similar to you know a certain glove or gauntlet uh, <laughs> that is is bound together uh, uh, and is very powerful when they're bound together again the similarities there uh, <laughs> no no clicking of the fingers though in this one um but uh yes yeah, so that's the central core of the of the first game you discover about her having this glass anyway continuing but the young hero has a plan of her own one that could finally end the merciless rule of the arcane and store peace to Moss once more. To stand a chance, Quill would need a true partner by her side, and we hope that partner is you. With her, you'll venture deep inside the hex castle of the arcane, where the dangerous terrain, challenging puzzles, and enemies twisted in fire and steel await. The journey will be trying, filled with triumph and heartbreak alike. But new allies, old friends, and the very nature of the castle itself can offer help along the way. Yet in the end, it is you alone who can lift Quill up to save the world. And together, rise the legend. So, there's a bit of a feedback from our forums, uh, at Cody Mint's forums, which I'm very happy are still alive and, and bubbling away. But many, have, you know, haven't managed to do that, but ours still persevere. I'm really happy. So, this is Tolkien Taters from the forum. What a fantastic game! I think the first thing that stands out is, is the presentation. That storybook setup just works with this charming little adventure, and Quill is just such a cute protagonist. I haven't played a ton of VR games like this, so the puzzle elements felt pretty novel, and I mixed them and liked the mix of combat and puzzles. It's absolutely worth checking out if you have any VR system. This is the kind of sentiment you're going to get on this. If you come here for some, like, oh, well, there's this and that, you're not going to get a lot. There is going to be some, right? But uh, anyway, so visuals then. Visuals. Good heavens. It's an Unreal Engine with exceptional lighting, uh, but sometimes a little bit too dark. 
I found. So what's that down there? But you are the actual gameplay, well, not gameplay, but the viewpoint is you are looming over a miniature model-like representation of the world. Not represent, but it looks like like a like a diorama. Um, so it looks like one of those, like a dollhouse almost, or mm. like a, a a small, you know, Trumpton. If you <laughs> if you're really old, <laughs> like how me. many people know what Trumpton is? Yeah, there still. you go. Just there's a there's a, there's a reference. But um, what what's your Tony? What do you think of the visual um, design of, of the Moss Games? Yeah, so. I always, when you're talking about VR, and once again, it's very, the cliche is, well, unless you've experienced it, it's hard to explain. Well, unless you've experienced it, it's hard to explain. <laughs> but no, I know, I know what I see. So um, instead of it, maybe, because I, I think when you explain that, it almost feels like you, you're you're stepped back from the scene. But actually, you're, you're kind of a, a two thirds angle looking down, yes. which gives you a, a more of a rather than kind of a, a standing back from a diorama moving, um, oh, what's her name? Quill. What's, Quill, that's it. As you're moving Quill yep. around, who's a little mouse, by the way, we haven't mentioned this. Yes, yep, we have yet. A little, little mouse well. that you're, you're you're moving around the world. You're kind of standing above, but also at that perfect angle where you can see it very much 3D environment around you and you and you are, as the, as the watcher, standing back away from it, moving your little mouse around the environment. Um, Within these environments, you can, for instance, I mostly played this just sat down. I mostly sat down in my stool, in my chair, away from um, the TV, um, just playing quite happily. And every now and again, if I couldn't see quite the right angle in the puzzle, I'd find myself standing up, and then have that whole like, oh my god, like the the world is way more kind of three D esque than I I originally assumed. It's almost like I've been sitting looking at a picture for such a long time that actually I can stand up, look over into the environment, look around the corner, look into the tunnel, and see actually what's at the end of that. So you know, as, as a VR experience, it's very much a single static screen where you as the player have the ability to stand up, look around, look at all the de- details around it, but then also moving your character very much in that kind of, as it, almost like a mouse walking around the table in front of you, as it were. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it works surprisingly well. Like uh, it, because it doesn't really, it's not massively taxing the tech with uh, you know, having to render in completely kind of 3D political world as you're moving around at high speed. It can actually spend a lot of time just making those environments looking, you know, absolutely gorgeous at times. Um, which you know, it, it, it play. I think yeah, as the tech that I played plays, tech that I was playing it on, you know, it utilised that really, really well. It does push mm. its limits, though, doesn't it? What do you think, John? It's uh, it's you know, the fact that you are the camera, so you can't, you know, rather than you, the camera controls are terrible. No, it's you and your head and your ability <laughs> to look around. So, what did you make of? More to the point that the styling and the, the, the actual definitely technical uh, ability or technical now being demonstrated here is, is incredible because they've really pushed the limits of the mm. PlayStation 4. But, you know, what else can, what, what do you think of it all? Well, I, I have to say, I really, really enjoyed uh, a huge amount of the art style and the, the way that everything was designed, including lots of the background stuff and. I'm almost going to. I'm not going to argue with um, with whatever whoever wrote the the scenario summary that you read here. I assume it's come from the official 
Yeah. Uh, something yeah. from the official game. The very first sentence of the Moss one says, while in a library, I'm... That does not look like my local library. No. Um, I've been to the library. <laughs> yeah, I, I would call that like a chapel or, yeah. you know, some sort of grand hall or something. And, you know, it's this like is someone this is, in seminary or something. Just definitely. Some, like, this is going to play into text. this um, multiple times, but I'm currently doing a, a horticultural course. And it just so happens that the, the college that I'm doing it for has um, organized like a, a remote placement that just so happens to be at um king's college in cambridge uh which is an extremely famous extremely old college i mean if you saw a picture of the the very famous king's college chapel you would recognize it i'm sure almost anybody listening to this and to me the inside of this library that they call a library looks like the inside of the chapel at king's or looks like the great hall where um they serve meals and stuff and we go for lunch uh during my course so like it's it's got this kind of star to it that I I feel like a year ago I wouldn't have cared about, but suddenly I've got all these points of reference for everything. I'm looking at them, looking at like the architecture and stuff, and thinking, oh, that's really cool. Like someone clearly went out and did a lot of research into into like classical style buildings and stuff. And the other thing that really strikes me is because I'm doing this horticulture course, obviously a lot of it is sort of plant identification and things. And I'm going through this game, looking at some of the looking at some of the scenery and stuff. When you're in the forests, and particularly in um, in book two, there's quite a long section in some out, outdoor gardens and greenhouses. And I'm looking at it, thinking, someone someone actually really studied those nasturtiums and like drew out the leaves and the flowers and stuff on them really, really well. And, like the ivy is almost picture perfect, and you see like leaves floating down, and I can almost identify. I'm like, oh, that looks like a beech leaf. That looks like an oak leaf. So I'm I'm kind of amazed at some of the minor details that have gone into this that I feel like would skip 99.5% of people by, but somehow it's just kind of slotted into something that I recognise and I, I, I really with, appreciate it. With VR though, it, like it comes front to centre. There's so many times you could run for a, just a, I always I just refer to it as a 2D environment in, a, in your standard game. If you run for a 2D environment mm. and yeah, you have a tree that's just a tree, whatever, you know, you just, you kind of just, push your way through to get from a to b in here even though these are static environments the fact that you can you know, you can move yourself around as the camera and just see these things you know living in the world that you're you know inhibiting the world inhibiting inhabiting uh, inha inhabiting the, not inhibiting inhabiting the world that you're also in gives you so much more kind of time to kind of study what actually how they've made up mm. um yeah once again but that plays into vr it's the strengths yeah. of vr and i now i think it's a very colourful game. It's a, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a comic book game, but it's it's a game that has those kind of more kind of soft Rounded edges. edges. Yeah, yeah. styling. Um, it doesn't it doesn't come across as you know the super realism. It comes across as a kind of almost fantasy esque world. I was almost like a fable esque world, if that means for people who have played that game. Just a kind of a more of a glow to the characters around them. Um, and I think there's, there's some really beautiful, like there's individual set designs that are fantastic. Um, I, there was one in particular where you're almost down in like a, a, a burrow under the ground and um, you've got like this, this tunnel to the left of you, this light and you've kind of got these, you know, the roots from above kind of seeping through. You've got this bright light of like, I'm going to wander through this and it just, but the way it's framed in, within that environment it just looks really like oh wow what's what's through there i want to go and explore through there 
But at the same time, you can find yourself equally in environments where you're very much concentrating on what's happening in front of you, be it a puzzle, just trying to solve it. And you'll suddenly look up and realize you've got a massive castle that spans, you know, 600 feet above you. And then to the right, like you've got a vast plain of you know gardens that you hadn't even clocked that you were sit- sitting and standing in. So actually, you know, quite often it, it was worth actually taking a little bit of time and actually looking beyond what your actual viewscape was going on yeah. and, and really appreciate the art and um and kind of place setting. How about you, Krista? I think what's always struck me is first of all the animation of the other creatures and beings within the space. Uh, the ones you're interacting with, like the enemies and also the, the, the friendlies. And also the regular size being, because <laughs> there is like, there's, 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 it appears that while you're in a castle that's mouse size, so to speak, you know, <laughs> there are hints that it's in our, or in a realm filled with people or humans and other, you know, like, it's, it's quite odd. There's no reference made to this, this you know, at all. Uh, to to this other, but they're everywhere. There's debris. There's massive swords, and and that's always struck me like, well, it's there. It, 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 I'm not sure what this world is, but is it? Do they even acknowledge that these larger things? And that's that's really a lovely contrast. But I think what I kept on coming back to it. The amount of times I walk into a scene, and I called them scenes, not not levels. Yeah. But I, I walked into a scene, and it just blew me away some of the lighting i know i said it already but that's the one thing that had me because there were some there's some areas where it's difficult to see because you're in a castle you know a dungeon to a castle or you're in a, a very sort of deep grove that's all that's lighting it is some moss and that kind of thing um or lichen and stuff just sort of glowing away and uh that's that's the one thing that really struck me is how that the the light painted the scene more than anything and i was really really impressed with that of course the animation of moss herself i mean she did she does interact with you as as the reader she'll, she'll even when she does a you know a, a particular uh, what i call a devil may cry moment where you have to fight everything before you can move on you know, with all the doors shut. And the- oh, they yeah, they do like the um the combat arenas, don't they? <laughs> combat arenas. Um, I call them Devil May Cry. I don't think they invented them, but let's just go with it. Um, that's all I call it in my head. And uh, when you finish a combat arena, she, she gives you a high five. I and you know, I love that moment. The first because that happens in the first game. It happens mm-hmm. a few it times in the second game. But the first time that you you beat a number of people, and she turns around and just holds up her hand, and I'm sat there looking and going. Yeah, cool. And then she's like, <laughs> and it goes oh, oh, like she's just pushing a handful and going yo yo. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah. And you have this ability of the glowing sphere that you interact with the world. Yeah. You move it across her hand. She gives you a big high five. And you're like, yeah, it's so cute. Yeah. That's, that's so cool. Like, yeah, absolutely. I got to high five you. Yeah. You go, how boss. how often does the character that you're controlling, right, and you successfully done a thing, and it then feeds back to you as the player. <laughs> And go, good on you. It just, it. I can't remember. I'm trying to think of another game of a puzzle adventure that actually does acknowledge the player. There's also a. Um, I don't know about you. When I first started playing, I was, I was trying to get my head around me being the camera, and I was like, well, wouldn't it be fascinating if I was to kind of like you're in the first area, and and they purposely do this, but 
you get to kind of lean over and you look down into a pond right in front of her, like a swimming yes. stream. And yes. you see your reflection of you as the storyteller. Now, that's like mm. a, I'd call it like a ghost face if people know what that is. But it's it's um, like a no faced person reflecting back at you. And you and you can feel like, oh, whoa, that really sets the scene of how I'm viewing this world, how Moss can, is knowing that somebody's interacting with the puzzles around her and essentially helping her through this this environment. Um, but it's, it's just a absolutely tiny, minute thing that they needed to do. And they pull it off so well that you're like, oh, here, yes, here I am as a presence. And they do it three or four more times if you come across mirrors and whatnot in the environment. You can see your own reflection coming back across. Um, and yeah, that's, once again, just keeping you you in place of actually how this, I don't know, how that, how that scene is set and how things are happening within those worlds. And it also has an impact on mechanics as well. Uh, what about you, John? What do you think of that, that aspect of the game, that fourth wall breaking, but yet not fourth wall because you are... An well, yeah, I mean, you are and, essentially you know. the fourth wall. Like in so many of those scenes, if you think about it for a couple of seconds, your your um, reader character is just kind of off to the side, like in the foreground. And there's usually like a, a hole in the floor or, you know, an abyss or a lake or something so that the the mouse character quill can't actually get to you. So you're quite, you almost are like a fly on the wall watching, watching what goes on in, in the, uh, in the little diorama in front of you. And as you say, like using, you know, using your powers to kind of manipulate objects and to, to help quill fight and that sort of thing. So I think, I thought it was just very, um, like very stylishly done the way that they kind of set everything up. And your, I mean, your description of them as little dioramas, is, I think to me is absolutely perfect of, like each each little scene or whatever you can kind of see the ones before and after you can see the lead in like the ramps or or the pathway or whatever that goes between them and you can sort of look forwards and backwards and see like a really cut down um version of the the area that you're about to move into but i thought um i I don't know if this is getting ahead of myself or not but um i felt that the second game had a tendency to backtrack a lot more and you know it's it's probably false to call it like an you know almost an open world but you could do this um you had like a hub in the very middle with spokes coming off it and you could go back and forwards down them and it was often incentivized to go back to areas once you'd um unlocked a couple of extra powers to get the collectibles and things like that or to see an extra little an area that you couldn't see before have another like challenge puzzle area that was optional um and that was that was very much a strength of the uh, the second game but i was slightly disappointed in the first game that it felt like there were a lot of spots where you couldn't really do that and I, this is this is a very a very sort of mild criticism a very kind of weak criticism of the game but there were sections particularly in the first game particularly at the very beginning like when you go into the little into the little animal town that first scene and there's there's like a bridge and somebody sitting on the bridge fishing and there's a bunch of other characters dotted about and you can't really interact with any of these other creatures and you're just kind of forced to go on to your objective point and then once you get to the objective the scene kind of happens and it moves on and you can't then go back to look at the the little idyllic like sort of forest clearing town again or anything or or have any any interactions with the other animals at all and I just thought that that was a little bit like disappointing's kind of strong but it was just a bit of a shame that that I couldn't 
appreciate that a little bit more, like live in that area a little bit longer? I um having played the two games back to back, um and like I say, I feel like they are kind of a whole piece because the story's so interconnected between the two. And actually, although they do change aspects of the gameplay we would we'll talk about, from a visual point of view, I mean what they do with the visuals is they just really clean up a lot of in, in Moss Two. Like it's clearly it feels higher res, it feels um, you know, they have a lot more expression with their environments. They just feel a lot more confidence in in what they're actually making, and that that really comes across. I mean, it's it's a much longer. The th- the first game's, I mean, it's edging towards three hours. The second game mm. is, I've seen most people saying, "Oh, it's how long to beat?" It's six hours. I spent more seven plus. I felt like I spent a bit more time just wandering around and unlocking stuff. Um, but I I do think in hindsight, after the experience in Moss Two, Moss One. Feels quite tech demo-y in a way that Moss 2 doesn't. It feels like they had a lot of proof of concept of what they were producing, uh, and they it works really well. But it, it, I think, once you've played through Moss 2, you can see the original game's shortcomings. And you know, they've had a bit more time to refine the combat mechanics. They've had a bit more time to refine the environments. A lot more time to give more to the environments. Yeah, and that's not to say that Moss One is like you. Clearly, you have to play through Moss One because it's so integral to the story. But I, I think you know, if you, you know, my memories will be lingering with Moss Two probably a lot more about mm. as as the whole as a piece than than the original game. Um, but that, but that's fine. Like that's it makes sense. You know, if it's the same development team with a lot more time to to refine that art, then you know, of course, that's what they were going to do. Yeah, I mean, I wish I had time after finishing book two to go back and dabble with the first one again and actually see the comparison after playing the second. But in my mind, they are very, very similar, like similar sort of art styles. They kind of seem to run on the same engine and have Mm. very similar mechanics. I mean, as the sequel does, as all good sequels tend to do, it kind of enhances and adds, adds extra elements into it, adds a few extra gameplay elements and more weapons and things. But I mean, overall, they are very, very largely the same or at least extremely similar games. I, I have to say, though, the actual key to any of this, and you know, there's plenty more that we'll talk about with the gameplay, but the key to any of this is actually the games are full of heart. You know, the, the story themselves, I mean, the story is a story that's been told, you know, many times before <laughs> in this kind of gaming environment. But um, I think it comes back to what you're talking about animation, Chris, like... It's beautifully animated, um, the, you know, be it the, I forgot the quill, so the quill as a main character, the way that she scrambles a- around the environment. Yeah, the way that, scuttles, you know, she, 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 she scuttles around. Yeah, it's just because she yeah. comes across, a, uh, comes across as a mouse, but because she's, it feels like a, in, at times almost like an AR experience where, you know, she's there in front of you on a tabletop moving around the environment. It, it feels very much like she's a little mouse and you're moving it around the environment and, and it comes across as super charming. But because the story itself, I think, is pretty well done, the voice acting, I think, is exceptional um, in the actual storytelling aspects, uh, along with the, uh, the the sound design and music. I I think it... As a package as a whole, the Moss, you know, the original Moss title holds up really well, even though the tech feels a little bit dated with today's standards, because it's just a really, it's a charming story. 
yeah. and it's so well put together that actually going back for it and seeing some of those technical limitations didn't really hamper my experience you know if anything you know like i say to get to moss 2 you have to play through moss 1 to to want to see the i'm you know i'm not sure you could just pick up moss 2 and go huh <laughs> like how did we get here yeah i, I think i mean it's, i'm really happy that we're delving so deeply into the visuals because it's such an important part of the moss games and we could speak another hour on them but we must move on well, I, um, my, my last thing I will say about on, visuals, no, I, yeah. because, I, because I think this to it's me important. is it's important. Is important is, and I've, I'm sure I would have said this about Astrobots or anything like this. You know, when I played Mario 64 back in the day, obviously on the N64, and you had that that moment of like, oh wow, like 3D games are like 3D platform games are incredible, like we've got here like this is just like mind-blowing i'm not necessarily i don't think most necessarily covers that territory but every time i play a platforming game like this in vr it's still bringing me back to that childhood moment where i'm going god if if i know billions have been spent on vr you know companies have almost formed and been destroyed and everybody seemed to have had a go um, and Christ, you know, as much as I'm not a greatest fan of Meta, like they have sunk some money into VR as a as a piece of tech, and it feels like it's still just on the precipice of not being there quite yet. But there's some moments I've had, and certainly in Moss is one of those some of those moments where I've been completely lost in that 3D world. Um, you know, obviously I've been playing game, video games, 2D games all my life, and absolutely happy to play in those environments and i don't think you know these two experiences necessarily yeah they can sit parallel they don't have to like one has to be the only way we're ever going to play video games versus the other i i've i've been i've been loving my experience going back into vr again and actually playing a game like this and it has brought that kind of childhood kind of smile back to me like oh look at that magic like games are magic um and then taking the headset off and going oh my god like this is the real world here we are and then going back indoors and playing happily playing my normal 2d games and like i think back in the the original you know when psvar was coming out or when vr was coming out there was seemed to be this drive of like this is the future and then there's almost this pushback of people that play normal games going no well i don't want that as a future it makes me sick and i feel like that we've yet to kind of find that happy medium where you can have an experience like moss where I feel completely transported to a diff completely different world in a way that I don't think I necessarily ever have in the normal 2D environment. Not to say that's a necessarily a bad thing because I've had amazing experiences in 2D's environments that I don't think could ever happen in VR. So it's just, you know, I guess my, what I'm trying to say, if you've never experienced a game like Moss in VR, then even one that's held together in duct tape, which will be incredibly cheap to probably to buy now that everyone's selling for, for PSVR 2. It's it's well worth your time to experience that if you've never experienced uh, a 3D platformer, mm. a real real 3D platformer in um, a VR space. Yeah. yeah. I would also just like to point out that I'm sure that this is a problem that is, is frequent with VR, but um, we've spoken a lot about photo modes and things on the podcast in the past though not so much myself but i know it's a, a frequent topic of conversation um i've had multiple points in moss particularly in book two 
where I've just been kind of looking around going, oh my God, this looks so wonderful. I need to, I need to screenshot this and, mm-hmm. you know, need to send this to my friend who we said, constantly send in each other pictures back and forwards of like bugs and clouds and stuff. Um, so you take the little screenshots with the camera or, <laughs> you know, with the, the share button on the PlayStation 4 and it goes and saves it into your folder and you go and look at it and the photos are like, oh, 200 kilobytes or something like that. They stretch them out into four by three pictures and you just really, really <laughs> sadly, you just kind of lose everything that makes the game look fantastic in VR. So, like, it's 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 something that you need to experience in well, VR. You even have that in real life. Then you go, look at that sunset. Well, there gonna, is also. I'm gonna through, I'm gonna yeah. take a photo of that, and then you're like, it just doesn't come across the same. And, <laughs> and that's because you've got the color pop, you've got the the yeah. the, way, the way it panoramas around you. Like, and, and just a single photo doesn't quite ever do it no. justice. No, no anyway. I guess that's true. Maybe that's the better way of looking at it. Is that VR is more like reality, and then yeah, it's a shame though. The audio then. Um, music it does a really good job of building up one's reaction to what Will is about or indeed the other protagonist is about to be subjected to Um, but there is mention of the um, the voice acting and be churlish not to to mention who they are because they do all of them (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they do. They're reading the book, and then the narrator, and they're doing the full, like you know, uh, audi- audible, you know. <laughs> um, but they're reading from it this text, like as if it's already happened, and and she's regaining this. And it, for his woman, it's a uh, Morla Gorondona, uh, Gorondona, Morla Gorondona. Yeah, that's her name. I mangled that, but that's um, that, that's that's the person who's doing. It. She does a fantastic of. As if she's sitting there leafing through the pages, and leafing through pages is one of the key sound effects you hear a lot of in moss. Um, it's a signifier. It's something that you know when you when you die. That's you know the page is turned again or returned back to where you were because the directional sound is exceptional. I think it's. Uh, you you hear just as much as you see. It's the, it is very much a symbiosis, uh, at least in my opinion. John, what do you think? Um, well, it, it's obviously the um the sound design, the music is obviously a fairly big deal because most of those awards that you were reading off before were for sound design and yeah and that sort of thing. Like, I mean, for me, it it just this is such a cop out that I use all the time. It just felt like it it fulfilled its purpose perfectly <laughs> um like I, I never never really sort of looked at it and thought no that that wasn't right or that that seemed out of place like a lot of the little um the little ticks that they use to kind of get your attention into certain places or to signify that something's happened um like an enemy has appeared or something has moved or like a door has opened like all of that stuff was was kind of perfect for what you want and I think um in a game like this where you do have complete agency over the camera to the extent where you can spend a lot of time looking at things that are essentially just sort of set dressing just out of out of the viewpoint and there was there were a lot of um the scenes in this that I found extremely busy especially towards the end of um particularly the end of book 2 where you have the the segment with the um 
uh, what's the what's the word that they used to describe it? The, uh, the vortex, where like the building is um, kind of in pieces, and you're going through doors that then change the perspective. So like you're on the wall or something instead of on the floor. And like there were points where the game really kind of felt like it needed a bit of a guidance. And I think that a lot of the sound design and the uh, the audio cues and things did a really really good job of that. So uh, just like it, to let's say again like a complete cop out but it was kind of flawless for for what it was intending to do for me tony what's your what's your feelings on the uh audio it's super clear i don't know i don't know what it was about it but it sounded really clean and crisp and very um very 3d if that is a word to use in this (laughs) but i don't know it's um yeah no it's very very spacious like it, it used directional sound really really well and um like the music was you know it's very crisp you know they, they certainly didn't it didn't feel like it had been really kind of muffled down to fit into a certain size it it felt you know really really crisp and clear and that the way i um so is it uh is it bastion in the way that has that kind of voiceover of the narrator oh, yeah, the narration um it came across a bit like that as well it came across like you know the narrator in the background kind of dictating the story and and you're kind of experiencing it as it goes through and i say the voice work is is super well done um you know really really engaging mm-hmm. um I don't, I don't think overall the story is anything amazing but the way that it's delivered i think is is actually just exceptionally really good good uh voice direction yeah um, you know nobody comes across as being oh god how did they get the role it's actually just yeah a really beautifully nicely presented world's told story in the way that you're you are kind of flicking through the pages and then those pages are kind of coming off on screen and you're going back into the actual world and yeah that 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 to me is once again a bit like bastion and that that it 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 kind of moves you forward as the player kind of gives you urgency to um the way the music and and, and the way that it, the voice acting gives you urgency within a fairly static environment <laughs> I imagine that this is probably an aesthetic that they were at least somewhat going for, but yeah, the the whole um, narration and the the voices and stuff it does sound like a parent reading their child a bedtime story and kind of doing all the little silly voices and the uh, the affects and stuff. And there are bits where um, I I can't remember if it was a specific character or something, but um, the the kind of narration voice turned really creepy at various points. So uh, it it had that completely like immersive feel for me as well. Yeah. And there's a really interesting thing is as the storyteller, as the person that's helping guide, um, I flip. Quit. Funny as well. I forget a name. (laughs) I keep wanting to say Moss. It's like, yeah, I know it's not Moss. Moss is the name of the the doctor, not the monster. Um, Yeah. yeah, That almost, even though you're helping Quill, there's that kind of, ambiguity around you as the the player of whether you're actually helping or hindering the world or whether you have some sort of alternative motive to to actually harm um quill along the way or that's what at least characters around you fear of uh what the readers have done in the past and, and it continue to do as well yeah it just puts you and that just enough on edge that you wonder like who you are and why you are this person reading these books and, and seeing through the world. And yeah, you know, well, the way that Moss 2 ends, you kind of, you kind of like, okay. Well, it kind yeah. Of ends it 
that's open. a that's a that's mm. a thing, isn't it? Yeah, interpretation. Um, <laughs> it is. I, I just love the leafing through the page. When you're going back to the, I'm not going to say library anymore. Seminary, uh, <laughs> vast cathedral thing, um, where you're sitting alone in no one else there. Uh, which is like, every now and again, I'll look, look around going, is anyone else getting this? This is amazing. No? Just me? Okay. But that also <laughs> seemingly interacts with the environment that you're playing in. So if it's a yes. winter scene, yeah. suddenly it's winters with inside the yeah the cathedral library that you're in as well. And as Yeah, I love that addition to the second yeah. game. Um, you really get the feeling that you are in the castle, like the, the hall that you're in is part of that castle because then when the um the ground cracks apart and parts of the castle start going up into the sky and the vortex appears you see it all in the in the hall so i kept kind of expecting that there would be like a meta moment where the actual gameplay you know of you moving the characters around would come into mm-hmm. that hall and it did strike me that there were spots in the game um i can't remember i think it might be the end of the first game where you do go into a temple that in my mind looked incredibly like the um temple of time in uh ocarina of time specifically when you go in it's kind of all white and you go up the little first little flight of stairs and then there's the big wider hall with the the little antechamber at the end of it like there's i don't think that's quite what the like the library hall looks like but it's it's close enough that it made me sort of question it for a second and wonder what was going on but yeah i mean i thought the 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 way that they kind of they changed that between the first and the second game with the scenery and stuff changing in in the whole area was really really cool. Yeah, uh, it's the the atmosphere and the, the general denseness of the sound that helps build that sense of urgency because it's not so much apparent in the first game, but the second game you do genuinely believe that if you don't push through, very very bad things are going to happen, and. Yes. Just as an aside, and I just I can't believe I didn't spot this. But the main enemy, you know, it's not it's not the snake at all. That's just a manifestation of this other being. Um and it it, uh, it looks like a reader. Yeah. It looks like a reader. And that that is that is quite interesting because in the second game, uh, you do control another character, not just Quill, for a period. Uh, and uh, let's just say she's not particularly happy about you being around. Uh, unlike Quill, who's very sort of happy to see you, she's like, go away, or you have to convince her that you're trustworthy because she actually has very little time for you. Um, but which... But it's a, it's understandable why not when you then see that there is a, you know, for lack of a better word, like an evil reader who's controlling another character towards the end of the game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it kind of makes sense that some of the characters in this world would not trust the readers or see them as a, um, you know, a malevolent force. And I guess that that's always, you know, every every argument has two sides. Every battle has, you know, people who on each side are thinking that what they're doing is uh, is for the best. So, you know, it's it's kind of totally understandable that there can be, you know, different um, different interpretations of how. Uh, you know how your outside influence is is affecting. Well, the if world. you think you're best, and this, I don't know why everyone everyone thinks this, that if you unite the worlds under your one rule, then everything will be perfectly fine. Like it, that never works out. There's always no. going to be someone to try to stop you doing that. Yeah, <laughs> that's very true. Now we're now going to move on because I think we've we've gone into the sound and visuals now for quite a while, and rightly so because 
Moss and Moskowitz who deserve that kind of attention. But I think we now need to delve into the gameplay. So it is a 2D action a puzzle a puzzle platformer adventure game with not moving screens. So you're not scrolling the thing is that that wouldn't really well it might work in a VR game, but I have in this particular scenario I don't think it works. And so you are in a static in inverted commas screen, but you are able to look around it. So you don't have a single view of this screen. You are indeed you're required to look around it because not only are you moving Quill with a standard um well correction in when you're playing on the PSVR you are using a DualShock controller, twin stick controller. Um, but similarly, I assume with the PC you'd have a gamepad as well, or you'd use the 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 controllers like the haptic controllers, or indeed like the MetaQuest, similar sort of control setup for that. I'm not entirely sure how it works. So I haven't personally experienced it, but the one the one thing that's this this there's like there's two sort of levels of control. There's one there's the Minutia control, the, the the very precise control of of um, Quill, which sadly I sometimes forget and <laughs> get so wound up because you're looking at the macro control, whereas you as the reader are interacting with the world and your abilities are way more powerful than Quill's. You can move, actually move mountains um, or indeed large statues or open massive doors and do all sorts of things that none of these creatures that you're interacting with would possibly do. You're the only one able to do this. And you've got this like this dual kind of system, and that's where the puzzling comes in, because you can manipulate the environment. Um, Tony, what did you make of it all? So there's, there's two tones really here, mm. which is I, I think the dual shot for with the PSVR really struggles well the whole system really struggles to keep up mm. with what the game is requiring and i'm sure this isn't a problem with metacritic and i'm sure it won't be a problem with psvr2 but just the makeup of the way that the the camera is trying to pick up the light on the controller and then you, because you are playing in vr you are playing a game with essentially you know depth within the environment moving backwards and forwards trying to grab stuff within the environment can sometimes go perfectly fine like so for a perfect fine example say that you have a block deeper into the screen you hold down r2 i think it's which like a grab hand mechanic and you can grab that block move it to the forefront of the screen and then quill can jump on that and then go across her way through the gap that would have been there otherwise perfectly fine equally you can come across a very similar puzzle on the next screen go to grab said block a different block and the curse on the screen just shoots off to the right or left because the camera's like, I don't really know where your controller is. It's like I'm literally in the same place. I haven't changed anything. And all of a sudden, um, what should be a super simple, easy technique goes completely haywire, which when you're just moving static objects around on the screen, not really a problem. You just kind of reset yourself and go again. Because the the game, and you know, I'm thankful for the game becomes slightly more complex. It starts to involve when it starts to come to kind of combat, where there's a lot more kind of timing based instances where you have to make sure that you know you are moving quill, you are picking up something, you are 
um, activating a switch at the same time whilst doing like three different other things. If you have that moment where suddenly the, the camera's like, I don't really know where the controller is, you can have like a, you know, a, a four step maneuver just break down. And that I found incredibly frustrating at times. Just, you know, just looking at the tech going, oh God, if this was just on something where this, like everything here makes sense and the game's not really at fault. It's just the, the hardware I'm playing it on isn't quite up to snuff. Mm-hmm. And that's just disappointing. But I don't really see that as a, a problem with the game itself. I just see that with the technology that was they were trying to kind of come over hurdles and they and it works. Like I'd say probably seventy five to eighty percent of the time it works perfectly fine. But those tw- that twenty percent, fifteen percent sometimes is the the critically wrong moment. Um but I I'd say it does it does do a lot with not a lot, if that makes sense. Like having to move Quill with the left stick, trying to grab things and then maneuver like two or three other things in the environment, shoot things off in the distance whilst moving Quill as a character. Like you can actually get it does get relatively complex at times. Never never over too 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 complex that you can never you can't solve things. But it's you know, it's it's asking the player to do you know, it's not just move stick win. It's you know, there is lots of little things you need to do to actually beat a lot of these levels. Yeah, I mean for personally I have a setup Many years ago, I sort of did a Google search optimum PSVR setup. Turns out you put the camera up on the wall, point it down at you, and then you have to have the room dark and have the light, lights in your room all green. Then it works. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, great. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I did no, any of that. But if you do, it all works. And so, personally, and again, I didn't experience what Tony said because I did all those ridiculous things. Um, and, you know, I don't, I'm not defending PSVR because you have to do that. That's what I've done. I have looked back since. So I, I was able to do all the things. And just so everyone understands, the, your, the player can also interact with the enemies that, 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 that Quill and the other character um, has to engage with. And the, the amount of times I'll be, I'll be desperately trying to move Quill while holding on to another enemy to stop it from shooting at Quill. Like, just stop shooting. And have you using it as a cannon, shooting other things, and that is an achievement for shooting at things with other things, like you know, blue on blue combat. Like there you go, shoot, shoot at each other. But just that whole, it can be a real, you know, mind like you know, rubbing the tummy and scratching your head kind mm-hmm. of times. You know, it's just yeah. like an amount of times I would lose a life not because Quill was attacked, or just because I just drifted her off at the edge of a thing because I was so focused on what I was trying to do elsewhere. What about what about you, John? Did you find similar problems? Um, I did to an extent, but I think um, I feel like what Tony said. It's it's not necessarily the game's fault that the the ancient PSVR tech now and my you know lack of an ideal setup and playing this during the daytime with the camera sort of perched on top of my TV. Um, like it, it worked the vast majority of the time, but I mean, part of it is the game kind of falling a little bit. I think there are points where, you know, you try to move the um, the DualShock controller, which is controlling your reader's little interaction ball yeah. thing. Like you move that too quickly and it, it sort of freaks out occasionally or you you try and go a little bit too far over to the side and it doesn't have a clue what to do. I mean, that was I think that was probably my my main complaint with it is that often the 
little scenario scenes that you're in are big enough and they go far back enough from where the reader is that I would find a lot of points with particularly in the second game towards the end of it when you get the hammer power up thing that you have to you basically have to set it with Quill where she wants it to hit and then you have to reach in and trigger it with the um with yeah. the reader's yeah. little interaction thing. But sometimes she would be so far away from where your viewpoint was that you physically couldn't reach that far back into the scene. And I'm like, I'm two meters away from my TV, but then I'm sort of walking backwards and forwards in my room with my arms outstretched <laughs> in front of me, trying to get the, um, trying to get the little thing in the right place. And I, it, it's not, it's not a completely unworkable situation, but it is, it's not as good as it, it could be in some places. Um, and the other thing that I think is probably more more kind of what you said about patting your head and rubbing your stomach at the same time or whatever is when you are trying to move an enemy around which you grab onto them and then you just kind of you move the jaw shock around and the 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 enemy basically follows your little ball of light but at the same time if you're doing that you're also trying to move quill so you're you're physically moving your your hands with your dual shot controller sort of over to the back right corner but at the same time you're using the thumbsticks to try and move the character on the screen in a different position in a different direction some of that gets really like it just my brain doesn't know what to do with it a lot of the time and there are lots of points where you've got to do things like you get one of the characters to stand on a switch and at the same time, you get the other other character to move and go through the doorway that the switch opens or whatever. But there were so many points where my brain just didn't really seem to catch up with it. And I'd be trying to move the enemy. But because, you know, you're so used to, well, you move something on a, a controller by moving the stick. So then I'd move the stick and Quill would walk off the pad that she was supposed to be standing on. But, I mean, it's, it's sort of a, com a, a combined problem between my brain not, not knowing how to do two or three different things all at the same time and partly a little bit of the the tech faltering somewhat but i mean overall i think it was um i'm, I'm going to say that it's it's relatively uh relatively intuitive and works yeah. very well for at least the majority yeah, I mean, of I, the I have time. to say i wouldn't want it any other way uh i mean I would, i'd like the tech to be better and i know i said there's other devices that this wouldn't wouldn't even be a, a remote issue if it if it understands you know your room uh, i can't remember what they call it when it's not just the camera base where it's it understands your position in the room and understands where the hands are so it it, it you know it gets over all those little issues that we have like mm. i i really enjoyed having the ability to ultimately you know put my hands into the screen and pick up things you know move objects around with depth um that kind of feeling of pressing down on the button and actually feeling like it is your hand grabbing something you know i can imagine what it will feel yeah. like with the new tech and actually how you actually interact with that tech will will probably really sell it so much more in the way that you are picking things up in the environment um, and i think it works really well when it comes down to the combat you know there i think it's it's solid like it's not the the you know the most amazing combat i've ever played but actually, within a very 3D environment, like it follows the same basic rules that we know within normal kind of 2D, 3D action games. That makes sense. Um, yeah. So it doesn't stray too far from that. But you know, some of the scenarios where you're you're trying to manipulate enemies to give you the the advantage on them, 
or use them as the advantage against other enemies or even trying to move enemies onto um pads to open up gates at kind of like a specific time and giving you a timing window within those like all that stuff works actually really really well and i can only imagine what i i must have looked like from a distance i'm out in the uh, what we have in our garden office i can only imagine what i i must have looked like if people were looking through the window and there's me with my glowing headset standing up at times waving my arms about like to me i i i'm absolutely moving blocks around the environment to anybody else i'm look like i'm doing the hokey cokey stuck in <laughs> stuck in my my office uh and yeah i do need to get some curtains because there's definitely <laughs> yeah, curtains locked door nothing's happening in here nothing to see but actually when you're in that environment it 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 really does feel like you're you're moving blocks around as the reader and um it it works really well yep. i have to say it works really really well yeah there's a bunch of stuff that really feels nicely mm, weighty. Yeah. Um, there's a, a particular boss fight uh, towards the end of the oh, second game. Yes, where there's the warden. Yeah, the guy with the hammer where you kind of, you pull the thing out mm-hmm. of the hammer. And to me, I was I was like fishing. I was pulling my both hands into my yeah. chest <laughs> and kind of leaning backwards as if I had a fishing like, rod pop. kind of arced yep. over the front fantastic, of me. That's exactly what it felt like. Fantastic boss fight. And it, it was really, really good. Yeah, it felt amazing Such to do that. Such a good boss fight. Um, but, um... but yeah, there's there's tons of tons of little things like that. The um, I think the, the way that stuff kind of feels tactile, the way that the blocks feel particularly heavy when you lift them up and the sound certain well. things you yeah, kind of have like to... Like a real scraping yeah. saw as it moves across. Yeah, oh, it's it's great. And like plugs and stuff in the wall that you kind of, you twist and then pull out and push back in. Like like it, it works really well. And it's I think the game is very lenient um, in that there's nothing that's particularly difficult it it doesn't really ever ask you to do anything too taxing and it, it could i feel like they could have gone way more complicated with some of the scenarios um they could have added all sorts of horrible aspects in like timers to get through gates and stuff quickly and you know having to set up like an entire rube goldberg machines worth of a room all in one go and then like have to race to the exit like set four different things up do them all in the right sort of order and timing and they never really do anything that's as as harsh as that. Like it always feels fairly, you know, fairly well there, within your capabilities. Couple, I, mean, I, I like the fact that obviously if you die in this, there's no real punishment. In fact, if you've actually solved a, a major puzzle area, then they generally will have that puzzle will be solved, and you're not going to reset the whole area, which I think is is you know, to yeah. me absolutely fine. Like I don't need to be hundred percent challenged for that. Um, and when you do what I always found, like every time you walked into a new scene, like you did that kind of just you check out the environment, like what have we got? So we've got a door over there. We've got a switch over there. We've got an enemy moving across there. And you kind of you're placing just through learnt behavior, you're placing all these different things. And like, OK, well, that switch does that. And actually, nine times out of ten, you can walk into a room, solve the puzzle pretty fast and walk back out the other side and feel good about yourself. There was a couple of times I did walk into an environment. There's one in the snow where you've got like this cylinder thing with like a couple of different gates that you have to break the seal oh, down. Oh, I know. Yeah, it's another one. Um, and oh, this one. <laughs> I sat there and I was there for a good 20, 25 minutes just kind yeah. of poking around, trying different things from thinking, well, how the... Like that's got a wall there, so I can't manipulate that. 
And actually, the the game does a pretty interesting way of like Quill will kind of point and animate towards the player. Like sometimes if you just stood there for a, a minute, she starts just pointing at things like, yo, over here, over here, like do this. And I'm looking and going, I don't even know what you're pointing at. I'm just like, but actually, like in that one in particular, it's about you have this, is that glaive almost that you you throw yeah. into the environment. And yeah. then you can walk away, but you end up walking away like half a map away yes. to get yourself. Yeah, it feels to get wrong. yourself high enough into an area to then recall the glaive back to you like a boomerang, and then it catches this this shield barrier and then allows you to move on. But I I'm, had that artillery piece just hammering away at everything. that wall, going yeah, <laughs> just like, I was yeah. hurling everything. That red herring artillery yeah. piece as well, as far as I'm concerned, I could not figure it out. Blows what it was the for. first it shield barrier, the very yeah. top, uh, the one that yeah. then lets you yeah. spin the thing <laughs> yeah. around. But yeah, I was convinced you fired the yeah. thing into the the little yeah. gap on the artillery barrier, up. turned yeah. the thing back round. I tried that yeah, for so I'll long. Yeah, I kept on firing his minds into play. it, rotating it around. I'm glad it wasn't just me then. Just like... No, no, I think no. out of all the puzzles, that was the worst one. Yeah. It was me. Yeah. I mean, I have a phrase when I encounter a puzzle in a game. Come on, game! What 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 do you want me to do? You know. <laughs> um, but generally, well, most games are puzzle platforms with capital P, and it is very. It does encourage lateral thinking. So transparently, it just really pops out of the. Like, it's very it gamey, you, isn't it? Very, very gamey. But not to the point. It doesn't undermine the experience. Apart from that one puzzle, there's always one in there. Uh, <laughs> but everyone, everything else was just. It does, yeah. The, but did you go for the scrolls if you saw them, or did you not bother? Uh, I got. I certainly, if I saw them, I went after right. them. There were a handful. A handful that I never never knew where they were. I think there were there were a couple that I found that were very, very well hidden. Um like hidden behind things that you can't really see behind. You just kind of have to notice that there's there's a little bit of environment that you can continue moving into and kind of go to the end of a path or something and there's something there. Yeah, I think in the first game, because it's very much like a one shot through an area, um, it seemed easier mm. to find because you were basically although I didn't know this, Chris, and we will get to so they added some DLC to the first game. They did, yeah. And yeah. When I was playing through the first game, I I didn't know there was just added DLC. I came across <laughs> this area, these couple of areas, and I'm thinking this feels really out of sync of what yeah. the game. Like I just they yeah. they made no sense to me. I'm glad, in fact, that actually it was just a DLC that had added in there, and it made it would have made more sense if I'd played through the game originally in its in its original state. Then that content would have been there. But I kept coming across these areas, and I'm thinking. Am I meant to be going this way? This doesn't feel really attached to the world. Oh, it's just like a cosmetic area. Oh, fine. Right. That, that doesn't really make sense. Like it doesn't really, the, the the story itself doesn't seem to be, isn't really pushing me towards these. So that was quite odd as a new player to. Yeah. To, there were extra challenges. To moss. We're gonna, yeah, indeed. But then we're going we're gonna to go into that. But this, this, this one more thing on this. I just want to sign off on the, on the interaction. My favorite personal, favorite interaction with Moss, the reader, i.e. you as the player, was right towards the end. Yes, there was Gravity Land, as I called it, <laughs> uh, as a reference to a video, look it up, Hero Quest. And Gravity Land, that was great. I loved Gravity Land, to the point where you could lean in. I don't know if any of you did this, but they did something where, because it was picking up your microphone on your headset, on the thing, if you blew, you know all the bits of rubble floating in the air? They would mm. actually react to that. They were actually didn't know that. You know, no. 
so that's no, I didn't know. Blow, it would move I thought around. that. I thought that the little candelabra that's in front of you when you're reading the yes. book in those sections, I thought that I moved the flames on those, but then I tried to do it again and it didn't work. No, so no. I figured it must have just been, you know, sort of diegetic air or something in the in <laughs> yeah. the building. But but my favourite interaction was right towards the end, that rather interesting boss fight with the, you know, the other uh, reader, it looks like, and the, the, the owl, the, the, the screeching owl. And there was this, but I just couldn't figure out what am I supposed to do here? How am I supposed to? And then I'm, I was looking down all the time. It's a wonderful moment. I was, they obviously have designed it in such a way. I was constantly looking down, trying to protect Quill from this beast. And finally, I just looked up and I saw this huge bell. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, oh, I meant to pull that down. as that so, so I have a wonderful moment. You just grab it with your, you know, pull it down with such force. You don't need to, of course, but you do because it's like, you know, you pull it down and then immediately this owl goes colliding into it and then Quill just beats the living poop out of it. It's just really good. I just love that. And that for me, that, that and when I did that, I went, yeah, that's Moss. There you go. Yeah, I, I think a couple of standout moments for me that I feel like could only necessarily be done in VR was the the final boss fight of Moss, the original Moss, um, where you pull down the gate and cut the snake in half. Yeah. And that's like, thinking back to the actual fight itself, like it's, it's not anything spectacular. Like you're not, you know, wow. But because of the way that they play in VR and it being a snake, like it's very much comes into the screen, out of the screen. And you very much feel like as a bit more, I feel like the whole of the original Moss feels very much rawer than Moss 2, although there's a lot more kind of uh, depth of character in Moss 2, it feels very much like very tech demo-y, like we're just, you know, this this is the story, this is what, you know, some of the, the set pieces we're going through. It feels very much like we they've kind of edged their seat making this game. But that, that seat, that um, particular one, where all seems doomed and you you kill the snake, but it comes back to life and then you jump towards the screen and you're like, oh, and essentially plunged a sword and just the way the music and the whole kind of the feeling of that kind of like just swinging around the sword and then coming back and then landing towards mm. the player that the, the storyteller in the screen and kind of just sitting there and she goes through this wink and a nod and then you have to do almost like this double high five and it was just like oh man that was super like that brilliant loving it <laughs> um yeah the the end of the owl fight yeah, has a similar like, screen with just everything falling and it looks mm-hmm. incredibly stylish and cool when it's happening like you don't you're not controlling this you are mm-hmm. just watching it but they they really know how to cap off a and, boss um, fight but and to, to to that point i think moss 2 where they they've refined their their art a bit more and they've refined the storytelling there is a couple of scenes one that i actually thought was a great scene regardless of then what happened after it but you get knocked into um a pit and you come, you know, your player characters come falling down and they come falling smack down into this deep, dark pit into the very bottom of the environment. And it's really like dramatic. It's just falling down. And the way they hit the ground and tumble out as, mm. as characters, tumble on towards the, uh, the, the watcher. I was like, that's that's like really well, like so well done. I just felt that the impact of that feels so much more visceral than I would have necessarily got in 2D 
And then to top it off, actually one of the characters has died from that impact. Yeah. And I wasn't, mm. although I wasn't expecting that, like it makes the scene feel that much more impactful because it actually, yeah, when they hit the ground, they really hit the ground and it, it, it meant a lot more. But I think their, their storytelling chops really come to the forefront there as well. It's, it, you know, you do actually feel for Quill as a character losing, was it her uncle? I think it was. Yeah, uncle. Um, losing yeah, her uncle, uncle, and you know that makes her a bit more kind of rage, and then allows you go to 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 play a different character entirely for for a couple of levels. Mm. Um, it's a it's a real mm. roller coaster, but like you know the story in general, but particularly those couple of scenes with I I don't know um you know I it really got to me when the you know the characters were there and you can see. There's something, I can't remember, the narration says something about, you know, for the reader, it's now kind of pointless because Quill doesn't have the glass anymore. So, you know, there's no point in in them following. So you can kind of see the reader leaving and you can see Quill, the way that she's responding. She's kind of asking you to help the uncle because you you have this power to revive her during combat and things when she's taken too many hits and you can see you can see her like begging the reader to to help the situation and you just kind of fade away back out of it quill kind of collapses and then it goes to this the storyline changes you go back to the the library and the book closes and gets replaced with another yeah. book. And I'm sitting there after an entire <laughs> game and then another half a like, game playing end. as well, <laughs> thinking, "Oh man, that's I don't I don't want to play as somebody else. I want to be my little mouse with the sword. I don't want to have to change." And you know, I really hope that this isn't the end of Quill's story. I mean, you kind of assume that things are going to work out and you're going to end up back with Quill at some point. But for a little while, it's really kind of heartbreaking, and it really made me think oh i don't know if i I wouldn't play this if it wasn't for the character i wouldn't be anywhere near as invested in this if this is the the storyline that it's going to take like and if you never had have got quill back i think the rest of the game would have had a significantly kind of darker tone to it yeah i i love the reunification with quill not that i don't Mm. like the other character i thought her rather sarcastic tone to everything and her difference to an impatience and like yeah. When, you, when whenever you failed and she fell into some ice, and <laughs> yeah. when you failed to do that that particular Tuts puzzle, at the player <laughs> again, yeah. and she just like give attitude, like more. Yeah, it doesn't let you uh, heal them or do anything to help for a quite a long time. Like you feel during the course of that chapter, and it's not particularly long, but you do kind of feel the um, the character whose name I can't remember. I, I, I want to say it's a ferret or a weasel yeah, or something. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, you kind of see them warming up to the the idea of having the reader with them as she's it goes on, wizard. and as they realise that the reader is actually helping yeah, them. Yeah, she's actually a spellcaster, a wizard. That's mm. her. That's her role. She's not a warrior. Like and then Quill's really. reaction actually once the reader comes back into her life, oh, yeah. as well as like yeah. you know, yeah. being angry, like I thought you left me. You know. Mm. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty cool for a little. Two and a half three yeah, D puzzle yeah. platformer. I mean, I, I wasn't quite expecting the. I don't like I said. I don't think the story is groundbreaking, but I, you know, it it's so it's just really well voice acted. I think that helps a lot, and with the characters mm. on the screen interacting the way that they do, yeah, yeah animates animate so well, well back to the the actual player. I think it 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 does a lot with you know a little. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of. Yeah. Good Doing game. things a lot with a little. The DLC. 
Um, free DLC, uh, the Twilight Garden. Um, as Tony says, he kind of stumbled upon it. <laughs> like, this seems a bit disjointed. This doesn't seem to be aligned with the actual narrative of the rest of the story. Well, you'd be right. <laughs> so is the frog, the whole frog stuff, the DLC? No, he's in... Well, I thought he was in the original game. Okay. <laughs> I, think, I don't know. Yeah. Yes. You, in the second one, you see that little glade again. You, do, you come yeah. back through one of the, the areas that was a portal in, in the first one while it was part of the extra content. And the fro- I think the frog is still there, but um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's it. In the first one, you open up the portals in various locations, and they do kind of seem a little bit out of place. Mm. Uh, you go through it, and you get this little interaction with this toad, who then opens up another door in his like little area. And then they're, I mean, they're mostly just sort of a little bit of a combat and a puzzle challenge for a handful of rooms, and then you get a reward afterwards. Yeah. So um they're not i mean the story isn't particularly vital in them and they're i mean it, it, just imagine like a little an extra little bit of a challenge challenge dungeon type content i think visually they're definitely an upgrade to the rest of the game um it's... i think the the area that the frog is yeah. in is particularly pretty that pool with the the leaves yeah. and stuff falling yeah. um and the lights like it's kind of darker um so yeah it's you can kind of tell that it's it's slightly out of Where, sync when did with the, the rest DLC of the game and out? i guess i'm just checking here and um it's in it was in june of 2019 oh so it was like a year more than a year yeah. after and then not really close enough to moss 2's release to to say that maybe it was a technical you know move on so yeah, yeah maybe it was just planned dlc and they kind of jumped off a bit more from that than into Moss 2. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I like the fact that you can meet like the, the old spirit of the old warrior that fought alongside your uncle to save the village and stuff or the castle. Yeah. That was a lovely moment. Um, so it's not completely, you know, I do think it is reasonably well intertwined, but you're right, it is, is discordant. Well, it's, if you've never played the game, it, you just don't know it, it, that's what it is. Because <laughs> yeah. I didn't. There's no, there's no, there's no flag for no, it. No, it's just you, you stumble across yeah. some extra areas and you're like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> but um, no, I'm happy they did. Hopefully, they'll do the same. Book two. Not totally sure what they would do. Maybe another another round with the owl after you smash it up the head with a bell. I don't know. So I, I, I really think um, <laughs> book two has a chance to kind of um, flourish now that it's yeah. it's being put like front and center of the PSVR two launch um you know just once again more i more eyes on on content that's been there before but is good content it's almost like the nintendo way of looking like with the well that didn't sell very well on the wii u well the switch is now massive let's just re-release the game and you know do a couple of uh, a new campaign on it and put it onto this new console and suddenly everyone realizes what a great game it was because they just you know they didn't have the chance but i mean so much of that has to obviously do with how well psvr2 does because you know it's not like it's not been available on on the pc platform as well so but I, you know i hope it does find you know another another audience that you know that, that haven't experienced the, those two games and and anecdotally you know you know we have our forum we have our slack channels etc etc and people that are picking up psvr2 seems to be picking up the moss bundle and they've never played it before. So, you know, I know at least the three other people that haven't actually gone through the Moss at all 
and are, are going to have their first experience is going to be with you know the new platform. So that's good. It is. It is yeah. very good to hear. Yeah. Um. So we're going to go three word reviews in a moment. We did have one, uh, but it's via the forums rather than Twitter. <laughs> but, um. Any of you want to read this one out? Yeah, sure. Uh, T Bird says, "You little cutie." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fair. So, um, nothing else left to do but summaries now. Tony, what's your takeaway from Moss and Moss Book Two? Yeah, I, I think you know, I think we've been fairly glowing. <laughs> um, but I, I'd have to say, you know, if I wanted to be a little bit more critical, like took a step back from you know, and, and kind of you know, my thoughts across both both games and the series, I do think in hindsight, Moss comes across as somewhat of a you know, the moss one this is somewhat of a tech demo i think it's you know it's it's still like the story's really good and it's a really good setup for for i think a lot of improvements in moss too but i think you know in hindsight now you know playing it you know five years down the line there's aspects where i'm there i'm like this could be tighter and in fact you know having played moss too they they do make it tighter um, it is a relatively short and brief experience. It's it's around three hours, but I'm pretty sure I like clocked in about two hours thirty. And as fast as I was in, it felt like I was back out the other side, which is great when you're on a time schedule. But maybe if it's you know you need to play Moss really before you play Moss Two, um, I would say don't necessarily if it doesn't all click together and think oh maybe you know it's it, this could be better. I think stick with it because I think Moss Two although. The story is bigger, braver in some of its aspects um, because it's a lot longer. It's like six to seven hours long. It feels more like a complete package experience. Um, the puzzles are more refined. The combat's certainly improved. The boss battles are more entertaining. Um, as a whole, I really feel like, you know, you need to treat Moss and Moss 2 as a package. Um, I can't, you know, I still walk away and kind of give it a seven maybe 8 out of 10. It's not, to me, like an absolute masterpiece. There's elements in there that I think, you know, could be better. And I'd love to see what they do with with um, Moss 3 if they get the chance. I think some of that is the fact that I played it on the original PSVR and I had some control issues and at times it kind of jarred me out the experience. But um, I'm so glad I finally got around to to checking both of these games out. You know, much talked about games on, on the VR platform. And I now, yeah, I can definitely see why because, um, yeah, they're they're good, good examples of what can be achieved if you've got that kind of um, that want to to deliver a bit more than just kind of tech demo y stuff. So, Moss Two in particular, I think, is a great game, but I do think you need to treat them as a package as a whole. Um, yeah, so uh, to me, highly recommended if you are picking up. A new new headset, or have the availability even on the original PSVR? It's definitely worth your time. Thanks, John. What's your take on Moss? Moss Book Two. Uh, I think I'm probably largely similar to what Tony said. Um, I think it is one of those things for me with the PSVR where it's a bit of a hassle getting it out. It's a bit sort of uncomfortable and a bit motion sicknessy using it and. It's it's not the sort of thing that I want to be you know pulling out and and playing with constantly, but um, there are a handful of these games that I think are probably very much worth having a headset like this if that's all you're really going to do with it. And I think that the two Moss games, um, 
and that, as Tony has said, uh, consider it to be one game and play play both of them, and they are still, you know, the similar sort of length as you would get out a lot of one game, um, so out of a single game combined with the pair of them. Um, but it's for for like the if you have a VR headset, they they in my mind are fairly essential and should at least be you know should at least be downloaded and tried out. Um, it's a real shame that this sequel doesn't appear to have done any sort of way in the sales department or or sort of even um, word of mouth or has has really encouraged very many people to be excited for it um because i think it is it is a game that is um essential after the first one and what if you looked at the sales figures and you found a million sales for the first game and seven thousand combined that we know of for the second game so you know it's got like a one percent attach rate um from people who bought the first one to people who bought the second one unless there's some vast number of sales unaccounted for somewhere so that to me says that a lot of people played Moss One and never went on to play the sequel, and that's kind of a shame that they didn't because the sequel is, I think overall it's kind of more balanced. It's got sort of higher highs to it and expands on a lot of a lot of what worked very well in the first one. Like they keep a lot of the core mechanics that did very well and and add in some extra little bits that um, that really complement the play style and the look of the game in a lot of ways. So, um. Yeah, as as someone who, as I've said, has a PSVR and doesn't get it out very often, it's always very welcome having the the opportunity or the you know sort of have your arm twisted to to actually give you a time limit to do something because otherwise I'm a bit lax with it. But uh, yeah, for for what it's worth, for the last couple of weeks I've really really enjoyed my time with these games, and I do kind of want to go back and and maybe at least mess about with them if not do another another full playthrough on each one just to to kind of see how they sit once you've seen where the story goes i'm very intrigued to see how moss one plays and uh see if there's anything in it that i missed after now playing the sequel as well so i think yeah i mean the just for anybody who has a vr headset they are definitely worth looking into thank you so very last year i was asked by we all are as hosts of Cane and Rinse to select their game of choice to cover in the next volume. And uh, I circled around various, various titles, but my mind kept on drifting back towards Moss and my first experience with it. And I just felt compelled to, to, to share that experience. And I'm so happy that uh, Tony and, and John stepped up to the plate and said, Yeah. Let's let's do this. Let's talk about this very important, I believe, important game because it does things. It push. It does. I don't say this, you know, because it's often stated about games, but this, these two, really do push the boundaries of the medium that they're in. They challenge um, perceived sort of received wisdom about certain things, how things ought to be, and how they are done. It doesn't have to be that way and sometimes that doesn't work uh, you know, those 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 rules and lessons exist for a reason but uh, sometimes there are you can push against them and something wonderful appears and this is what i believe moss moss book two are i i do side with tony and that moss and when comparing it with its sequel 
feels more of a tech demo. Um, whereas they definitely discovered that actually, no, we really do have an excellent game here. Let's lean into it. Let's just really push that. And they definitely did that going back to Gravity Land, where it's just, it's just that everything you learned up until that point was definitely for that particular level. Um, whether there will be a book three, from how book two ended, I don't think so. There'll be certainly something happening, but I'm not sure if it involved Quill, because there's definitely you saying goodbye to her in a rather permanent way. And she was sad, but she realised that the, you had to you and uh, and uh, her, her reader they had to part ways. But looking back on my experience with with, with both games, and I've played them repeatedly um, since their release, so I can definitely um, encourage Don to do the same. Look at um, definitely play uh, what the original was after so finishing um, book two so recently, and compare and contrast. That's a fair thing to do because they are. I think they are quite different in in many profound ways. Um, for a start, you get a different weapon in Book 2, which is actually more a ranged weapon, which you don't really have uh, in, 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 in the original game. And, and that opens up the areas, gives you, gives you more latitude, that makes you dispatch enemies in different ways. Indeed, you, it becomes more of a, 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 a dare, dare I say, a Metroidvania game. When, when in the second in the second game, where you're actually going going back on yourself because you now open up a new ability to uh, interact with the environment with the big hammer and that kind of thing, so that that does happen. The game takes it and is much 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 longer, but it's not often that I find myself standing and I do stand when I'm playing PSVR games. Typically, um, I'm standing there for a good five six hours, not realizing it because the game makes me feel I'm standing for five an hour, a fraction of that time, although my body rapidly reminds me like you really need to sit down. <laughs> um, but no, I'm so happy that I, um, I've, I've got to experience Moss uh, and uh, share it with you and also the listener and the fellow hosts, um, Tony. It's been great. So um, yeah, let's uh, sign off then. I'd like to thank Editor Jay his patience on this one, fine. as well as our wonderful correspondent, and you, dear listener, for listening to this podcast. Next time in issue 558, Dragon's Crown, bro. The dark wood falls before me With broken bow and blackened Stand where trees meet with the sky And in the stillness find you by When all the paths are overgrown And evening falls with crimson glow Into the forest I will fly Darkness falls across land.
是在。